I have carefully collected whatever I have been able to learn of the story of poor Werther, and here present it to you, knowing that you will thank me for it. To his spirit and character, you cannot refuse your admiration and love. To his fate, you will not deny your tears. And thou, good soul, who sufferest the same distress as he endured once, draw comfort from his sorrows, and let this little book be thy friend. If, owing to fortune, or through thy own fault, thou canst not find a dearer companion. Sturm und Drang, Donder und Blitz. Hello, Treeforders. If you were in Boise right now, you'd be under assault. Thunder indeed. It's Monday, March 21st, and I'm Douglas Bowles. It's hailing, but the indie weatherman says that it'll dry out by midweek. And just in time for the Tree Fort Music Fest. Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles, and this is 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com, and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. This evening, we are taking a second crack and an interview we botched two years ago. Remember when our computer glitched out right before Treefort 2014 when we were interviewing Tara Lopez and we spoke about her work ethic, music and athletics, Michael Jordan, Jack Kerouac, Miranda July, Beyonce, K. Flay, Built to Spill, Jeff Buckley, Drake, sadness, soul creation, and being? Well, <laughs> it was really a shame that we lost that. And then if, if you also recall, after the fact... I believe I told you all that Sister Crayon was my 2014 Tree Fort highlight. Well, Sister Crayon is playing again. This year, on Saturday, March 26th at 10 p.m. at the El Cora Shrine. Yacht will have just finished at the main stage, so get there early because that's where everyone is headed, and then stick around for Coco Rosie. And, uh... For those of you who are new to Tara and Danny's work, Sister Crayon is a Los Angeles-based electronic duo originally from Sacramento comprised of Tara Lopez and Danny Fernandez. In 2011, they made waves with their album Bello on Manimal. Then came the EP Cynic in 2013. Most recently, they teamed up with Wes Jones and co-producer Omar Rodriguez Lopez of the Mars Volta and At the Drive-In to create Devoted, this highly anticipated album. Devoted was released June 2, 2015 to high acclaim in music critic circles, which was followed by various West Coast tours wherein the duo has cultivated a devoted underground fan base. Sister Crayon is already in the process of writing their follow-up. They were definitely my favorite thing in 2014, and I need to stress that this isn't something that you're going to want to miss. Hello, Tara. Welcome back. How are you? Hi, I'm really great. Thanks for having me. You bet. So, as I mentioned before we started recording, uh, Facebook kind of gives us this look into people's lives, and so I kind of feel like I've, I've, I've shared your life for the past two years since... Uh, since I talked to you last, uh, <laughs> it's strange because it doesn't seem like that that much time has passed. But I think a lot has changed. Do you? Does it? How do you feel about the world now? Oh man, yeah, no, life has drastically changed um, from two years ago. That's for sure. In all in all realms, so it, it's just crazy. <laughs> well, let's go back in time. What do you remember of Tree Fort 2014? Oh man, Tree Four 2014 was really great. It, uh, my birthday was actually that day, and so 
um, we spent it driving in the van, and then we played. And uh, I just remember the crowds just being really beautiful and really refreshing. And I remember uh, playing, we played with Bill to Spill um, at the same venue that we're playing at this year, and it was just incredible. I think everyone rushed the stage for the last Built to Spill song, and we just sang and danced with the entire audience, basically, or it seemed at least on the stage with Built to Spill. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, and then when I was looking at this today, I realized that, yeah, your birthday, What? when is your birthday? Well, my birthday's on the 24th. I think it, we played maybe on the 23rd, and then we were driving... Maybe it was either the drive, I'm not exactly sure. I think the drive back. I, I remember spending it in a van, <laughs> my actual <laughs> birthday. Um, but I just remember any time that we've played Boise, we've played a few times. The crowd there is unlike any other. People are really energetic and really excited. And just it's we have so much fun. It's so refreshing playing for Boise. I love it. At Tree Fort, I don't know why, but everyone has just decided that this is what we're doing this weekend. And so it's just like we're going to be really great audiences and we just want to see people do really good work. And so it just seems like the crowds are really, really receptive for some reason at Tree Fort. Yeah, it's definitely a highlight of any festivals that we've ever played because not only do the, you know, the festival takes care of their artists, which is really incredible, but yeah, the, the audiences are unlike any other. They're there, they're eager, and they want to hear your work, and they're so grateful for it, and um, it's refreshing being on the road and playing in front of crowds that, that really, really care, and our devoted fans are awesome. And so last time, it was just a one-off you were going to come and do a show at Tree Fort with Built to Spill, and you were willing to make the big long drive and then go back home after it was all over. Is that is that what's what's happening this time, or are you making the yeah? Little... <laughs> no, actually, this year we're doing the exact same thing. Um, Tree Fort asked if we'd come back, and we were thrilled. So we're we're this is the first show of, of this year actually for us. It's going to be at Tree Fort, and then uh, we're, we come back. California and we're doing some more rehearsals and then we're actually playing some shows with Built to Spill in uh, California and Nevada in April um, and then that's going to start a, a long line of shows that we have throughout the rest of the year but yeah Tree Fort's going to be our first one for 2016. Nice. Yeah. And then are you looking forward to th- that's a pretty good drive. <laughs> yeah, it's actually not too bad. Um, we're going to be leaving from Northern California, so it's about eight hours. Um, and I'm actually really excited about it. I love I love driving. I, I, I might be a, a weird rarity, but I really do, especially with my bandmates. It's a great time to reconnect with everyone. And we, like, we love podcasts, so we tend to listen to our favorite podcast and kind of zone out on the road. It's where I do a lot of my writing as I'm driving for, you know, for lyrics and stuff. So I look forward to it. There's something really desolate and beautiful about Nevada too. Right. Yeah, definitely. There's a part where I just think, oh my gosh, this is like being on the moon or something. It's just, or at the bottom of the sea or yeah. Right. Yeah. There is that vastness. 
to that place for sure. And then when you came last time, you brought, I think, a drummer, Omar? Right, yeah. And then so what's the this tour going to be like? What can we expect, or this show? We're actually playing now with um, this incredible drummer named Adam Pierce. He is a metal drummer. He has background in metal music, uh, playing for some really large metal bands, um, Amir and All Shall Perish. And so it's going to be really interesting. It's really, really fun playing with Adam because he brings the intensity that I believe Danny and I bring on stage and he matches it. So it's going to be even more intense than it's ever been. <laughs> wow. And then so that's the thing, because yeah. I had no idea. Your show was so intense that <laughs> do, I mean, after you're done, do you need how, how much time does it take to kind of come out of that? It, it really is a moving experience. And it seems like you're you're caught up in some kind of really super transcendent moment. Thanks. Channeling all kinds of forces or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel that. I, I definitely have to prepare before each show and get in that headspace of how I felt when we were creating the songs, how I felt when I wrote the songs. And um, I definitely take some time to kind of focus on that and get into that zone. And as soon as the music starts, I don't know what happens. Something does come over me. It's always been like that. And uh, I just kind of go into that place for, you know, the 45 minutes to an hour that we're up on stage. And after um, afterwards, it's, it's pretty, I'm pretty uh, winded, but I kind of just snap out of it. As soon as the music stops, I snap out of it. Um, it's bizarre. I've never quite understood it. I just go with it. Well, so now that it's really strange, now that I'm saying it, like, it almost is, uh, well, so there's a spiritual quality right off the bat. Right. But then, like, what a medium does where they're taken over by something, you know? Right, yeah. I do feel like that. I definitely feel, um, and sometimes it's a lot, you know, more so than others, but whenever I am on stage, I do feel like something is, is singing through me, if that makes any sense. And uh, some shows are are more intense than others um, when I feel that. So it definitely, every show is different, I guess you could say. Um, and I sing every song every other time differently because of that. Hmm. It's interesting because the idea of genius originally came out of this kind of notion of genie and that there was this, that you were getting help. It wasn't, it's not such an ego ego thing where you're doing everything yourself. You really are opening to something larger than yourself. So that's really fascinating. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so uh, the new album... It, it it it's here. It's amazing. Can you talk Thank about you. that a little bit? Yeah, we um we recorded Devoted uh, with Wes Jones, our producer, who we worked with prior um, on our Cynic EP. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We we went and recorded that out in a tiny town in Florida, St. Augustine, Florida. Um, we went there and basically lived. Um, lived in the studio for two weeks and we wrote and recorded the entire album there with Wes. And on the last day of recording, Omar Rodriguez Lopez called me and said, Hey, I want to help with this album. I, you know, he really believed in our work. 
Um, and so we went and met up with Omar in Los Angeles uh, for a couple of writing sessions. And we wrote three songs. We wrote four songs together. Three of those songs made it to the album. And it was just an incredible experience writing Devoted. Um, for, for Danny and I, it was incredible because it was a brand new way of writing. We went to Florida with these half ideas, these sketches um, of songs. You know, some of the songs were didn't even have lyrics to them yet. Um, and we had never gone into a studio like that. Most of the time we go into a studio, we have rehearsed and played live these songs hundreds of times. And so it was very um, intimidating, especially to just have it be Danny and I. And really it was quite liberating. We got to record the album in this tiny town that has such a deep, rich history of the civil rights movement, which is... Uh, an era that I'm obsessed. I've always been obsessed with. And so, um, you know, after a writing session, I would go take a walk throughout the town and literally see, you know, homes where Martin Luther King Jr. stayed at during, you know, the civil rights era or where he spoke at at a church and like come up with lyrics while I was staring at these incredible uh, pieces of history. And um, I don't know, it was just a really, it was a lot of work. It was, it was crazy to be inside your head for, you know, such an extended period of time. We didn't know anyone in that town. We only knew our producer. And it was a very isolating um, place where at the end of it all, I felt like I was going crazy because I, the only person I had to talk to was Danny and our producer. And I was coming up with these lyrics. Um, you know, we were writing all of the material right then and there. And we just felt like we had a vision and um, I feel very strongly about this album because we were able to bring our vision that we had um, and make it very straightforward. And um, we're just really excited about, about that record and, and um, you know, working with Omar was incredible. It was, you know, it was crazy to be working with such a music legend and and having him in the room, you know, singing along to the, to my lyrics or you know playing guitar to our songs, it was just it's still pretty surreal to me that we were able to collaborate with someone of his caliber. So, so I'm curious, when did you say you were recording this? Was it we were, we recorded that? Oh gosh, at this point, was it the summer? We recorded summer of 2014. Um, yeah, 2014. Yeah, that's crazy. It's and what not was long already? Yeah, I know. Um, but wasn't that the summer that really kind of went nuts? Was that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, was God. that I feeding like into every... it too? I know it feels like every single summer goes completely out of control. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was having some personal stuff happen that year, and. Um, I think it, it was almost, I was clinging to those songs, really. Um, I had just had went through a, a pretty tumultuous breakup at that point. I was with someone for many years and, um, it was just a lot of stuff going on. And so we went into the studio and I was kind of in that place where, you know, the only thing that made sense really was, were these songs with music. And so really just kind of, um, 
focused on that, you know, like I had to, they kind of, those songs kept me sane. The whole process and structure of working on a record kept me sane for sure. Well, you mentioned the civil rights and I'm trying to think, wasn't that the summer of 2015 when the whole uh, Confederate flag thing was happening? Yeah, so we were we were also working. So we we were in Saint Augustine during that summer, but then we worked in the fall. We worked with Omar Rodriguez um, in LA, and you know a lot a lot of um, protests were happening. Uh, you know, at the time we were living in Oakland, and there were so many protests. We were a part of those protests. We would go in and protest and. Uh, it was just for, you know, Eric Gardner, Michael Brown. It was really, really insane to be there and to see that happening in our neighborhood. And so definitely, you know, a song like Providence is, was written out of just seeing, you know, and, and seeing that firsthand in our neighborhood, like the effect of what was going on, what still was going on. Um, and we wanted to you know, just do what we could. We weren't even thinking about it. You know, we just, um, ideas or, or things that we would hear about or see filtered into the songs. And so, you know, with Providence, with our video that came out, we wanted to show that element of uh, that, that's real life to us. You know, that's our neighborhood. That's my neighborhood. Those are my neighbors. Um, we really wanted to showcase that. That's, that's all that we ever wanted to wanted to do and will continue to do is just showcase our reality. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like artists tend to just, they're like, uh, what is like a clam or a spider and they just, they have, they just spin their webs. They, you know, they interact with the universe and then what they create is they just can't help, but that's how they deal with their reality. Yeah. And then. Right. Yeah. Making sense of it all. I've always, I've always, felt that you know and I think most most artists feel that way like in order to make sense of anything in this world it's you know you create and hope that you can find some kind of meaning in all in all of it so so, yeah and I think that's something that was really inspiring when we talked to you last time was that uh you were a really disciplined person um (laughs) (laughs) and so maybe do you feel like you have a, a an artistic practice that's really defined where it's it's a part of your regular everyday life? Yeah, I, I think it comes and goes. I, I think some artists feel that way. Um, I definitely have always just kind of, without thinking, you know, any kind of creative endeavor has always just been routine. I'll wake up and you know and and read. And that's as simple a thing as, uh, you know, reading will help, you know, start my creative process. And then I'll write from, you know, about what I read and and then I'll sing about what I wrote. You know, it, it just kind of filters through um, in one way or the other every day. It's always been like that. Um, and I think it keeps me, um, there's this quote that Maya Angelou said, something to the effect of, you know, you can't ever use up your creativity. You'll only just keep creating. And that always stuck with me. At first, I didn't know what what the hell that meant. But then now, as I'm getting older, I kind of realize, like, oh, like, don't, you know, just keep creating in in any realm. Like, you're never going to use up your creativity. If anything, that will just help spur more projects or more ideas. 
And so that's kind of where I'm at right now and is just to, you know, I try to get up every day and read something and then write about it and then sing about it and, and, uh, until I have a body of work, um, that I'm proud of. So what, what are you reading these days? <laughs> I just finished today. I just finished, um, a Jeanette Winterson novel, which is a, actually a book of short stories. Jeanette Winterson is probably one of my new favorite writers. Um, she's incredible. Uh, I, I try to read. I try to read as much as I can. I actually started logging the number of books I, I'm reading just because I have a bad memory. Um, and I think I'm that was book number 33. So I'm, I'm on to 34 now. And I try to read. It depends on the mood that I'm in. If I'm in writing mode for music, I, I like to read more poetry based. Um, books or more prose so that that'll help spur um, my own process of, for writing. Uh, but I also love memoirs. I love learning about people's lives and how they got to where they got to or, or how they got over, you know, um, tragedies or anything inspirational of that sort. I, I, I love to read it all. I, I'll try to at least read something at least once and if I don't like it, then I'll go on, I'll move on from it, but so are you the type of person that has to finish the book? Or at this point, <laughs> are you willing to say, yeah, I don't need to finish this one? You know, I used to be, I've always loved reading. It's my number one favorite thing to do. I used to be a stickler about finishing out, you know, even if I hated it. But now as I get older, I'm like, well, what's the point? Like, I'm wasting time on a book that I'm not in love with and where, whereas I could be reading something that's completely blowing my mind. So I definitely have, I'll put books down if I'm not feeling it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But then do you ever come back? Yeah. Like there's actually the moment wasn't quite there and it's like, okay, now is the right time to read this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually funny you say that because there's a Jeanette Winterson book that I normally, I love everything that she uh, right, but there is a book called The Passion that I tried to read. I just couldn't get into, but it's bothering me. So I'm gonna give it a give it a, a another go because I think I don't know. I, I think maybe if I just keep reading, it'll I'll fall in love with it. Huh? Yeah, I've never <laughs> I've never heard of this Jeanette Winterson. Oh, she's great. She's fantastic. Huh. So then, I mean, one of the things that the people that listen to this show are really interested in is synchronicity. And so do you let the moment kind of dictate where, you know, as far as like whatever you're feeling? Or is it the same with artistic practice, too? It's like whatever captivates you and how, how you engage with that and follow. Yeah, I think, I mean, whatever I, I, I do creatively... And in life, I think um, I used to try to control things, you know, but I've found as I get older, as I feel like many of us, all of us probably realize that we can't control anything. And so I now am very, I'm trying to stay mindful of that and and really just try to be more spontaneous with anything and especially with uh, creating. I, I I feel that every time I try to sit down and tell myself, you are going to write a song right now, I never do. And then it's it's in the moments just today, you know, I was at my computer doing something completely separate, 
and an idea came into my head, and I wrote an entire song in less than a minute. But, you know, it's in those moments where you really don't even try when you're actually successful at finding. So I'm really trying to um, allow more of that, (laughs) of that process. Definitely still stay disciplined, but also kind of just let it, let my mind go where it's going to go and and try not to stress out if I if I can't create something the moment I want to. Hmm. And then how often do you and Danny rehearse? We rehearse actually a lot. When we have shows, we rehearse a lot um, with Danny and our drummer, Adam. Um, right now, we're in the process of writing. So we'll be playing more shows in late spring, early summer. But right now, she and I are constantly writing. Every other day, we'll be sending each other ideas. We'll meet up two to three times a week to write together at our uh, rehearsal space. And then when we're not together, we just write and we send each other ideas back and forth and and uh, kind of, you know, take our own spin on it. We do tend to work better alone um, when it comes to actually creating initial ideas, and then we'll we'll meet up together and and kind of run through stuff and and see how we like it together. And then what is what is the scene like in LA as opposed to the Bay Area? I think, you know, for me it's hard to always answer that question because I'm such a loner and and I try not to be, but it's inevitable. I'm a loner even when I'm in my hometown, Sacramento. I I I always think, "Oh, well if I was you know, where my friends are, I wouldn't be, but that's just not the case. I'm always alone for the most part. So I don't really know too many scenes. I've I've never felt like I've been connected to any kind of scene, but I will say in LA, it's really been an incredible resource. The, um, the number of recording studios that I've had access to, the number of just musicians that I meet when I'm actually out, when I force myself to go out and, and see shows or play shows or go to those recording studios is pretty incredible. And so for a long time, I avoided L.A. for many reasons, but I'm actually really loving it there. There there are pockets of L.A. that I love, and um, there's nothing like being able to step into a great recording studio and having access to that. If you want to work every single day there, you can, you're able to. And, um, you know, there's not many places like that. So I do love it. I I miss the Bay area. I'm there though, because our drummer lives there still. So I feel connected to that place as well. When you live in California, do you feel, I mean, so like in the West, people driving a, a eight-hour drive is not a huge deal, but is it a pretty big deal to go from LA to Oakland? That's what? How many hours is that? Is that ten hours? No, actually, it's only about six hours. Okay. Um, That's not. Yeah, it's not. A, yeah, no, it's not a big deal. I feel like right now. I mean, I feel pretty exhausted just thinking about it, but we, you know, we do it, I probably do it every other week um, at this point, and if not every weekend. So it's definitely becoming a very routine thing for us, for me especially. Um, Yeah, it's just something I'm getting used to. It helps prep for tour. Driving will be nothing at that point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I think I saw... Uh, one of the gals in Warpaint remixed 
one of your songs? How how does something yeah, like Emily. that happen? Oh man, Emily's great. Um, well, I actually met her partner um, Jason, who's in, an incredible musician, incredible artist. We met through playing a show together, and just from us, I mean, we've always kind of been connected to War Paint. We were on, we shared a label. Um, our very first label was also their very first label, and just throughout the years, we were kind of connected through various people and labels and and shows and uh so yeah last year um you know we asked if emily and her partner jason would be interested in doing a remix and they loved the record they were so supportive and uh totally did a remix and you know since then we've played shows with jenny lee for more paint and met all everyone at that show everyone was just so supportive and we've loved their music for years so i just we just feel really grateful to be able to work with people you know not only as fans but as peers now and and to have them love our music too and it's just a great feeling Hmm. uh what about some of the other like summer concert tours i know war paint does a lot of those kind of like coachella shows or things like that is that on the docket potentially yeah there's a lot in the works right now um we're working on a lot of stuff i can't really say at the moment but definitely we'll be touring a lot and um with you know people that we really love and respect that that's the goal for sure we're just gonna keep writing new material and definitely tour behind everything that we released for sure and then i'm curious how how much touring have you guys done up to this oh, point? man i mean we've done a lot a ton of national tours I think we started, our first national tour was in 2012, and within just a year, I think we were gone eight eight to nine months out of the, out of the year wow. in 2012 and 2013, and then we kind of took a break uh, to record Devoted in 2014, and kind of did uh, definitely lighter touring in 2015, and so we'll probably be back out on the road to that extent. Um, probably starting in the spring and summer and back at it. So definitely many months. And so what, what is that like to, uh, you know, to, to be just the, the person that comes through and then you're there for a moment and then you're gone. Like the idea that you go to these different places and, you know, that's their home, but you're the kind of the, I don't even know. You know, it's it's. Do you know what I'm trying to say here? Yeah, no, I do. It's it's interesting. It's really, really interesting. I personally love tour because it, like I said before, I'm such a loner that I am very isolated when I'm at home creating. Um, you know, aside from a few friends that I see occasionally, I, I, that that's about it. So, playing shows is where I really get the energy from from people, from strangers, where I meet fans, where I meet people. And so tour really uh, puts me out there. It forces me to, to be a lot more social and to engage with people than I ever normally would. And I personally, I love it. I mean, being able to see the country and, and see every state that we've been to um, is is incredible. I'm so grateful for that opportunity. And it's also just, you know, we're playing music. We're doing what we love to do. 
Um, but it is a trip for sure being at, you know, a different city every single night and, you know, you, you're at a city, but you're really only at the venue. There's a lot, you know, of hours that you have to just kind of, you know, a lot of downtime where you don't get to explore. At that point, you want to try to conserve all of your energy so you just stay in the green room most of the time before or after a show. Um, it's definitely a very odd lifestyle that I don't think unless you do it and you're actually out on the road, there's no proper way that I could ever try to describe it to anyone. Even my own mom doesn't really understand, <laughs> you know, just how hard tour uh, tour is. I think the idea of it is so romantic, but the actuality right. is <laughs> <laughs> you're on the freeway and then you get off the freeway and you go to the place and then you get out you like work really hard to put all your stuff in there and then you just yeah. wait for the thing to happen like you just said right yeah you're, it's just a lot of waiting it's a lot of waiting but at the same time you're never alone so you don't ever really feel like you have time uh, I get in this weird warrior kind of mentality where I can't think about it too much when I'm on tour because I just can't allow anything to break me because if I if I allow that, it will break me. I know that. So I just get in this weird mentality where I don't really talk to anyone on the phone. I just am focused on what I have to do and I try to be as present as I can, you know, um, in that. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely... So there there are certain elements of romance to it. I'm not jaded at all yet. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> romantic elements to it, but it's definitely, it's the hardest work I've ever had to do so far. And, and with anything I've ever done, it's by far the hardest work. Hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the, when we were talking last time, Beyonce had just come out with so I'm just thinking about Beyonce because she's got a big tour. I wonder what it would be like to mount something like that. Where oh man, <laughs> you know, so it's not it's not just a tour. It's a spectacle that people will talk about for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine having that much pressure on a show. You know, like definitely. I mean, you nailed it with saying like people will talk about, you know, the shows that they go to of hers for the rest of their lives. It, it, it's an event. Um, and I just can't imagine having that much pressure on you. What? I can't imagine. So it's amazing to me, just in the two short years that have transpired, just what, I mean, just how these different superstars have even blossomed even more into this just incredible... Um, I don't know. They're almost like um, Greek gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they have so much charisma at this point. Like, I am now, you know, I'm thinking of like Rihanna and Drake and Beyonce and Jay Z. Right. Like, on some level, they're not even people. Like, they, I'm sure they're people. Right. But, yeah. But yeah, they're these, they're, they are, like, there is this mythology to them. Like, when I think of Drake, I don't think of an actual human, you know? I just think he's, well, he's Drake. He's this huge megastar. Um, it, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. It, it's pretty bizarre. But then I'm sure it's the same, same story for them, where it's like, oh, man. 
<laughs> you get on the the bus and you go to the next place and then you're right. It's... Sure. Yeah. I think tour at any level is hard. I think tour at any level obviously have different aspects of of hardships. Um, but I I definitely think like Beyonce for Beyonce probably tour is really difficult and Drake. You know they just have they have hardships in different. Uh, ways than than any you know anyone below them would. <laughs> but this, so then in that same vein, what do you think? So your show was so intense. You know what is it that you get from that that you want? So you're really giving in that respect too. But then clearly you must be getting something, or you're compelled to continue to do this. You know what what what's going on right. there? I think for me, music has always been therapy. It's always been the cheapest form of therapy for me. And even as a little kid, I I would turn to books and music to remedy any hardship or any um, trauma that I've ever experienced. And very much, uh, those are the two things that I still utilize. Um, And so going up on stage, I feel it's very therapeutic. It's very cathartic. that's what I get from it, you know, and, and sometimes it's very intimidating if I think about it too much to share that, uh, personal energy with strangers, um, or with, you know, hundreds of people. Um, but luckily people have been very receptive to it. And so I almost feel like it's, you know, not only, I'm not only sharing this, but I'm there, the people in the crowd are sharing it with me. Um, and so I don't really know how to explain it, but it definitely feels like a collective thing at that point. And so what, what, what kind of things can we look forward to? Is there, are you doing anything new or any surprises? Yeah. Yeah. We'll actually be playing a lot of new material. Um, Boise hasn't seen any of the new material from Devoted, so we'll be, playing I believe almost the entire album um and you know obviously bringing Adam to the to the show is going to be really incredible that that's just like a whole new level I feel um of sound that we're going to be bringing and so I think it'll be a lot of new material for Boise for sure well so when I listen to Devoted it it feels it's an album that I really want to listen with headphones on because it's so lush are you able? Oh, thank you. Are you able to translate that live? Does that come out, or is it? And then also, being electronic musics, musicians, I wonder about what you know, what, what you you do, live. Yeah, live. It's actually the sound is huge live, um, and it's taken us a really, really long time, many, many rehearsals to get the sound down and to get the huge sound that's on the record you know, to portray that live with just three people. But I think we do a great job because Danny is uh, sampling, not only sampling the actual tones from the album, but she's also playing everything live, um, all of the beats live. We also have Adam, who's not only playing drums, which we don't have any actual drums on the record. So we've written all new parts for drums um, on for the live setup to give it to to get the intensity level where we'd like it to be mm-hmm. but he also is sampling um as well playing live beats along to the electronic elements that we have and then live i'm just 
fully able to focus on vocals, which is really fun for me. Um, in the past, I would sample things as well and, you know, do live manipulations of, of tones, but I kind of just wanted to focus on performing and singing. You know, I've done that and I spent years doing that and now it's, I really want to try to just focus on singing. So, um, which helps me, it helps, I believe, enhances the vocal performance. So, yeah, I'm really excited about performing all of those songs. Um, it, it's a lot of fun. Well, how how in the heck did you ever connect with Built to Spill? <laughs> uh, we actually had the same booking agent over at the agency group years ago, and they paired us for, I believe we had three or four dates with them, and we were like, wow, this is a really odd pairing, but we love Built to Spill, so okay, awesome, let's do it. And we played, and the guys, Doug and, and, and everyone in Built to Spill, loved us, Like it, which I did not see that coming. They were, they loved our music, and they, um, especially Doug, was just a huge fan and so supportive. And uh, we hit it off, um, and they asked us out on two separate national tours. And so we toured with them a lot, and uh, we just stayed in contact. Doug and I, um, over the years, through email, through text, and every time that they're in town, we try to go hang out with them and vice versa. We love basketball. We, When we were on tour, we would play basketball before every show together. It was really sweet. And um, so Doug and I just try to keep in touch, and, and all the guys, we always try to keep in touch. And we're just so really fortunate. We love them. Their music is incredible. I mean, we've been huge fans for years, so... To have them be fans of what we do is just is kind of ridiculous, but we'll take it. And we're really excited to to not only see them at Treefort, but to play um, some future shows with them later on this year. Well, that was forty two minutes. But before we end, are you? Um, how long are you guys going to be in town for? Just the day, or we're going to be in town the twenty fifth and the tw- uh, through the twenty seventh. Actually, we're going to try to and spend a couple of days there. Okay, well, because are you familiar with the... There's a Portland band that does something they call Rigsketball. Have you seen this? Yes. Yes, I have. I'm actually really, really excited. You guys need to get on that bracket and play. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm going to look into that. I think that would be awesome. We need to get Doug out there, too. Yeah, you and Doug could be like a a team. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be awesome. I would love that. Thank you. You've been listening to Sister Crayon 42 Minutes, a production of SyncBook Radio and thesyncbook.com. Be sure and check out their website, sistercrayon.com, or at Twitter, uh, at Sister Crayon. For more information about the SyncBook, our guests to check out past shows or to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast and would like more, consider becoming a SyncBook Plus member. Some of the membership benefits include full access to complete audio archive, discounts on books, behind-the-scenes scripts, bonus audio and video, as well as monthly online hangouts with the hosts. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com slash membership. Thanks so much. And it's true that nothing in this world makes us so necessary to others as the affection we have for them. I am tired